From APM Reports, this is the Educate Podcast, a collaboration with the Heckinger Report. I'm Stephen Smith. We don't even have a grocery store. You can't pick up what you need. That's Betty Newson on the porch of her house in Shaw, Mississippi. Shaw is a town of about 1,800 people in the heart of the Mississippi Delta. The nearest city is almost 12 miles away, and that's where people go to buy groceries. And what you have to do, you have to make sure you buy enough food for the last you for a while before you go back again. In this episode, we're talking about food. Now, you may be wondering, what does food have to do with education? Well, in Shaw, school is where many of the children get their only nutritious meals of the day. Because most time, uh, we doesn't really just prepare healthy meals. We'll get our children a, uh, a bowl of cereal and let them go head on. Shaw is located in Bolivar County. Almost a third of the people in Bolivar are food insecure, a term used by the USDA to talk about people who don't have regular access to nutritious meals. In downtown Shaw, there is one, like, convenience store, and, you know, it's what you'd expect. There's candy, and there's ice cream, and there's some chips, and and, uh, not much else. Maybe an old banana and an orange. That's about it. Emmer Seller is an independent video journalist. I remember, you know, arriving in Shaw and... I mean, I, I I drove past it at first because I just I just missed the turn because I didn't see it, and when I arrived, there was two dogs in the middle of the street, and they actually wouldn't get out of the way, and so I had to honk my horn, and you know, it's just like a very relaxed, very small town. Our partners at the Heckinger Report sent Emrys down to rural Mississippi to look at what food insecure children do about eating during the summer months. What I had for dinner was chicken tenders. That's one of the kids Emrys talked with. His name is Condarius, and he's 12. Condarius is Betty Newson's grandson, and Betty says everyone calls him Concon. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating chicken tenders now and then, but Concon and Betty say processed and fried food make up a lot of their family's diet. And research shows that kids who eat a lot of that kind of food can have nutrient deficiencies that lead to difficulty concentrating and to other health problems. At first we thought he wasn't going to make it. <laughs> Betty says Concon was having some trouble in school a while back, and then he started going to an after-school program in Shaw where he got homework help and free meals, usually a sandwich and some fruit or vegetables. Oh, it's under here. That bad dude got me to my sandwich, and my leg goes, they're going to tell me just to eat. Look at this! The after-school program is called Delta Hands for Hope, Betty says it helped Concon get back on track in school. But after-school programs like this are facing the possibility of big cuts in the federal budget proposed by the Trump administration back in March. Trump's budget director, Mick Mulvaney, defended the move in a news conference. They're supposed to be educational programs, right? And that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to help kids who, can't, who don't get fed at home get fed so they do better in school. Guess what? There's no demonstrable evidence they're actually doing that. There's no demonstrable evidence they're actually helping results, helping kids do better in school. But there is actually evidence that interventions like Delta Hands for Hope help kids do better in school. Studies in California and Texas found that students in federally funded after-school programs attended school more and had a better chance of moving on to the next grade. Student test scores improved slightly as well. These programs, such as the summer feeding program, the school lunch programs, all of them are very, very much instrumental in um, making our communities better and making our children perform better. That's Cora Jackson, chair of the sociology department at Delta State University, just up the road from Shaw. 
She studies social welfare policies and services. And she says school food programs make a real difference. I wish that people would just understand how important um, programs like the summer feeding programs are to small communities. It does play a vital role in children learning how to socialize, but also getting those um, needed nutrients that they would not otherwise get anywhere else. Well, it's somewhere that they can go, spend time there, not just only eat, but they stay there and they do other things there. That's Betty Newson again, Concon's grandmother. It has not only helped my family, but it has helped a lot of other families in South. Because a lot of kids didn't have anywhere to go. But now they have somewhere to go and spend some time and get a good healthy meal. Betty says this has made all the difference for Concon when it comes to school. I tell you, he did make it. And it improved a whole lot. If Concon goes on to graduate from high school and go to college, he will have beaten the odds for kids in Mississippi. Mississippi, of course, we often find it at the bottom of lists when it comes to how kids are performing. Jackie Mater is the multimedia editor at the Heckinger Report. She spent a year and a half living and reporting on poverty and education in Mississippi for Heckinger. More than half of Mississippi's schools are rural. The state also has one of the nation's lowest high school graduation rates. And it's also got the nation's highest childhood obesity rate. You know, it's a fascinating place because you drive around the Delta and you see crops and, you know, you see all these farmers who are uh, growing crops. And it looks like there should be a lot of healthy food there, but a lot of areas of Mississippi are actually food deserts. A food desert is a term the USDA uses to describe a place that doesn't have regular access to healthy food. And it can be very hard for kids who live there. You know, they're not necessarily getting these fresh fruits and vegetables that are growing in these huge fields that you drive through. Uh, They are getting whatever is the cheapest or fastest option in many cases. Because, you know, the fresh fruits and vegetables are very expensive. There are millions of kids in America who live in places like rural Mississippi or in poor urban and suburban areas Kids who might not get fresh fruits and vegetables if there were no school meal program. Sometimes they might not eat at all. Children in families who are food insecure are at risk for hospitalization, at risk for developmental risk, and perceived as being less healthy than children who are in food-secure families. My name is Maureen Black. I am a pediatric psychologist at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Maureen Black studies how nutrition affects children's growth and development. She says families who are food insecure tend to buy the food that fills children up but doesn't have the proper nutrients. Her research focuses mostly on the first three years of life, when the brain grows and develops the most. But even after that, Black says, being food insecure can affect a child's brain in lots of ways. Families who don't have enough money to feed their children are also anxious. So there's a lot of stress that happens in families. Black says children are often aware that there isn't enough food, and then they take on some of that stress as well. And stress affects brain development. Typically what happens is when there's a stress, there's a release of cortisol, and you're in sort of a fight or flight mode. Many food insecure families are in a constant state of stress. So then children or individuals can be in what's called a hypervigilant state where their cortisol levels are high and they don't go back to an equilibrium. 
This can lead to something psychologists call weathering of the brain, which is a kind of accelerated aging process. So being in a chronic state of of stress, either by your feeling it directly or by your being in a family where a family is feeling stress, can be unhealthy for children's physiological development and have repercussions that impact their, um, their, their physical development as well as their psychological development. Black says cutting federal support to school meal programs would not just hurt the kids who rely on those programs to get good, nutritious meals. She says it threatens the future of the nation, too. If we're raising generations of children who are experiencing mental health problems, who are not doing well in school, then they're not going to be well prepared. If we don't help them develop well, take advantage of some of our wonderful schools, then their capability to look after not only us, but our children and to keep us safe as a community, all that's going to be compromised. It seems amazing that that can come from food, but it can. If cuts to federal funding for after-school programs do go through, families in towns like Shaw, Mississippi, will feel it right away. Food insecurity is one of many problems affecting kids and their education in rural America. As jobs and people continue to move to more urban areas, another big issue is finding and keeping good teachers. We don't have many choices when we have applicants. That's Nelson Spencer, superintendent of schools in rural McDowell County, West Virginia. Our correspondent Emily Hanford visited McDowell County for a documentary that we're releasing in September. We have vacancies every year that we're unable to fill in some of our upper-level courses, such as the higher-level maths, the chemistries, the physics. McDowell County was having such a hard time finding foreign language teachers that they cut those positions altogether. Now kids take foreign language online. When teachers do come to McDowell, they often don't stay. I've seen good people come and go. Anne-Marie Gentry Vance is a high school history teacher in McDowell. I've made friends, thought they were going to stick around, and for one reason or another, they've left. Between 2013 and 2016, the McDowell County Schools hired a total of 137 teachers. In that same period, they lost 163. I'll repeat that. Hired 137, lost 163. This in a school system that employs about 275 teachers overall. When a teaching position is vacant, it's filled by a substitute, typically someone who's not certified to teach in that subject area. So a social studies teacher could be teaching math. Across the country, close to one in five teaching positions were filled by subs or uncertified teachers last year. Superintendent Nelson Spencer. That's not good for our kids' academic achievement. We know that, but at this time, it's the best we have to offer them. You can hear more about the challenges facing McDowell County and other rural school districts in Keeping Teachers, one of four new education documentaries that we'll begin releasing in August. You can hear all of them here on the podcast. And if you're not yet a subscriber to Educate, you can get all the information you need to sign up at our website, educatepodcast.org. That's it for this episode. We'd love to hear from you so that you can tell us how we're doing and tell us what other things we ought to be following. Send a note to contact at apmreports.org. The Educate Podcast is produced by Suzanne Pico and edited by Chris Julin. Our senior producer is Emily Hanford. Thanks to our partner, The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. 
This is APM.